Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, President of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. I'm glad to be back in the studio. I've been traveling around a lot. I've been at the Capitol a lot. You know, it's an active time of year. We're in the middle of our state legislative session. This is the heart of the work we do, though, in a two-year cycle, no doubt. And, you know, we're the only faith and family organization that has someone at the Capitol every single day. Sometimes that's me. More often, it's members of our team like Jonathan Covey, Mary Elizabeth Castle, and our new intern, Megan Benton, who is a junior at the University of Texas. So if you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And there's plenty to talk about this week. I want to jump right into it because anytime we have an elected official on the show this time of year, their window to come on is very tight because they're in the middle of important work. And that's no different today with our good friend, Representative Tom Oliverson. Uh, Representative Tom Oliverson is uh, serving in his fourth session from the greater Houston area. He is uh, a chair of a committee here in the, the Texas House. He's also been a leader on so many issues. He's also been in leadership role of a fairly newer, a newer organization called National Association of Christian Lawmakers. And he is always involved in the great things that we're doing at the state capitol. Chairman Oliverson, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you, Jonathan. It's an honor to be with you. And thank you for all the amazing and wonderful work that Texas Values does in our capital and across the state. Well, we appreciate that kind endorsement and message from you. We spent a lot of time together this week, particularly <laughs> we on We sure Monday. did. Um, very important bill. I want to talk about mm -hmm. your bill, House Bill 1686, and the hearing on Monday, but I also want to make sure we include some commentary and discussion about how really the companion of that bill was passed out of the Senate yesterday, Senate Bill 14. We're talking about the issue of protecting children from harmful gender transitions, puberty blockers, all those things that have been in the news a lot and have been concerned to many people. Your, your House bill, the House version, House Bill 1686, was heard in public health on Monday. And, you know, it really dominated the hearing. Obviously, there were other bills. Those were taken care of earlier in the day. And then we got started really before y'all went on the floor for about an hour or so. And then the hearing went until about midnight. There were hundreds of people. I don't know. Some people say thousands. I question whether or not there was actually that many people at the Capitol that signed up in opposition to the bill. But that's a whole nother story. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about this bill, House Bill 1686, and why this issue has been important to you. Yeah, so this issue is very, very important, Jonathan, for several reasons. Number one, because protecting kids is always the right thing to do. But also, I'll tell you, as a doctor and a scientist, uh, when I really kind of dug into this issue and, and looked at it, um, obviously, there, there are sort of just the, the, the general good value of we should protect kids from harmful things. Um, but the science on this issue is particularly bad. Uh, and and there have been so many assumptions made and just this care, what they call care, has sort of been forced to a level of orthodoxy, if you will, in the medical community, which is just so undeserved based on what the science actually says. It's very frustrating to me that medicine to a certain extent, particularly some of our larger medical organizations like the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, have been truly captured by sort of this woke far left ideology that, that gender is is fluid and you can be whatever you want to be. You could even be an animal if you want to be. And you know, we've, we've sort of gone so far away from our traditional understanding, which is which is biblical of you know God made them male and female, but is also just 
plain good science. Um, you're either XX or XY. There are rare chromosomal abnormalities, but those are those are abnormalities of that basic pattern for life, which is you're either male or you're female. Uh, and so I've really dug in on this issue a lot. And I will tell you, like, the so the way that we have approached House Bill 1686 and the reason why it's moving so fast through the legislature and the reason why it will be successful is because we have stuck to what the science says. We have not gotten distracted by, you know, emotional issues and sort of getting, you know, like, well, you know, what do you think about this or whatever? We have really focused on the science. And it was interesting you said, you know, maybe a thousand, maybe more, 2000 people were there. We probably only heard testimony from about 60, 70 people. Part of that was because the initial witnesses that we heard from were mostly of a medical or science background. And the members on both sides just had a tremendous number of questions. The first witnesses, a testimony and cross-examination went on more than an hour. <laughs> I kind so of it was really at your like, comment wow. about yeah, I about your comment about cross-examination. As an attorney myself, I've been licensed 20 years, and we know the legislative process is not the same as a trial, but it certainly can take on that feel. And, and I know you're mm. mentioning that because that really was how it went down. And, th and there was good value for that, right? You're going to bring right. them. And there were witnesses from both sides, right? There were a couple of witnesses that supported the bill, a right. couple of witnesses that opposed the bill that were, you know, quote unquote, part of the medical community. And I want to mention why, why I'm focusing on that. Before I do, though, if you're watching on Facebook, you know, this is this show is broadcasted on all kinds of podcasting formats and platforms, but in the Dallas radio area, in the greater Austin radio area, but also on Facebook, we're streaming it. And so I'm going to share this to my page. I want you to do the same. I want you to like it. Let's get it into some groups and chats because we've got a few more minutes left, a good chunk of minutes to have a important conversation about the issue of the harmful child gender transitions. So there was a uh, quote unquote medical expert that testified against the bill, Dr. Jessica Zwiener, and she testified, I believe, in the Senate as well. And look, there's tremendous support for this piece of legislation. There were a lot of people on our side that were there as well. And so, and great arguments made. But when she came up and talked about these issues, I mean, she was all struggling a little bit, in my opinion, um, of whether or not there were surgeries being uh, performed on kids, there were not. Oh, no, none of that's done. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, there are exceptions. But then when one of the members of the committee asked her a couple of interesting questions, number one, what is a woman? And number two, can a man have a baby? And I thought it was interesting because when she was she answered the question of, of what is a woman, it took her a long time. She was like, it's complicated, this, that and so on. And then when she was asked, can a man have a baby like that? She reacted. Yes. When she said that a man could have a baby. Look, my opinion, I bet a lot of other people, her credibility went down substantially, if mm -hmm. not was completely dissolved. I mean, when and I think it allows people to understand these are the type of people, if you will, these are the views that some of these people have about a medical issue. Can a man have a baby? Come on. And they're the ones that are involved in the judgment in making these decisions or a part of the, the decision-making process of these kids going through these transitions. To your point, they don't want to trust the science. They want to go on feelings, right? And right. I get that we need to be compassionate to people that are struggling, uh, but that's not the best way to make 
a medical decision. And so it really, I think, um, you know, you could have probably almost heard gasp in the room because they couldn't believe this is what a medical expert thinks. And so these are the people that are, you know, really have the lives of these kids in their hands and just gave more reason why we got to be firm on this. We've got to have something in place that protects children. And I know that's what you're trying to do. Absolutely. And I think what you just said highlights exactly where I, what I was saying earlier about there's tremendous ideological capture in certain aspects of the medical community to where they're really not even operating from a rational scientific perspective anymore. They're sort of often this make believe land. Um, you know, it's almost like we're, you know, well, if you want to, if you want to be a dolphin, we'll, we'll just conform the the outward appearance of your body to how you feel on the inside. And then you're a dolphin. I mean, how well, and look, you know, I, nonsensical I is that? No, I want to draw too much attention to her, even though I did think it was important to bring it up. A lot of detransitioners, if you will, as they're being called now, were there. Mm -hmm. um, some younger people, some a little bit older who had gone through these transitions, many that had stopped it, you know, so at some point in the process because of their concern. We're talking talking with Dr. Tom Oliverson. He's a state representative for the state of Texas. He's carrying the bill, House Bill 1686, to protect kids from child gender transitions, these harmful procedures, puberty blockers, all this stuff. But we heard so many young people come forward and the, the courage for them to talk about it, to talk about their journey, how quick they sort of were rushed through the process, how they struggled with it, and how now they're dealing with a lot of irreversible effects. Yeah, and I think the most important message that the detransitioners bring to the table in their own personal experiences, which are heartbreaking, quite frankly. I don't know if you felt that way. I I just felt tremendous um, sadness hearing some of these stories. But the thing that, that they bring forward is just basically, uh, number one, uh, there are side effects and complications to these treatments. It, it, they're not reversible, number one. And number two, there are consequences long beyond, uh, you know, okay, I've got gender dysphoria, this is going to help me get through that. Well, you probably didn't know at the time, but this is going to affect your bone mineral density. This is going to affect your brain development. I mean, Chloe, these people Chloe are Cole. really struggling. And some of these detransitioners um, that have testified can't have babies. I mean, they, they've they given can't. up at a teenage age the ability to have a child naturally moving forward, you know, and, and had not really mm -hmm. been old enough to think about all that, you know, and, and now the right. rest of their life, has drastically changed. And I'm not saying they don't have anything to live for, but that's a lot to deal with. On top of the fact that we know these people that are dealing with these issues, there's also a lot of psychological and mental struggles that they're having. We know there the is. suicide rates are often high. They're even higher when they go through a transition, 20 times higher. And so, you know, hopefully we'll get some focus back on the psychotherapy and the therapy and the mm -hmm. counseling to look out and show that we really care. Look, I know we're probably... We took you about 15 minutes. I know you got to get back into committee. Um, one yeah. thing we want to mention, Senator Campbell's bill, Senate Bill 14, yes. passed the Senate. There was an amendment put on that at the end. Right. She called it a grandfather clause. Uh, share some thoughts about that. Yeah, so so that wasn't a surprise to me. Um, that's something that we've talked about extensively. Again, our side is winning this argument in the Capitol and in the hearts and minds of Texans because we're following the science. We're actually do we're actually following the data. It's objective. It's not about emotion. There's no craziness to it. It's just look. This is what the science says. And so the issue with the grandfathering thing is it really comes down to the fact that if you're treating a mental health condition with medication, 
and the person taking the medication believes that it's helping, and then you suddenly withdraw that medication, what do you think is going to happen? They're probably going to feel a lot worse. And, and it, it kind of ties into whether you think it's actually helping or not isn't really the point, because at that point, it could very well be a placebo effect. Yep, that's exactly uh, what I was but, thinking. But the thing is, it's a mental health issue, and they believe it's helping them. And so when we talk about in healthcare, we like to talk about first do no harm, right? So right. we think there are consequences, we think there are bad outcomes. Now, one thing about her amendment I want to be clear about is that this doesn't say that you get a free pass to continue on this pathway. What it says is, is that if you've begun a treatment and you've been on it for longer than 90 days, we're not going to make you abruptly stop it uh, because we don't know what that will do to you. But it's reasonable. I think a reasonable person would conclude that if you took something away from me, even if it was a sugar pill and you told me it was going to help me with my headache and I felt like it was working and then you said, I can't have it anymore it's reasonable to think that my symptoms might get worse. So we don't want to do any harm. And we also, I want to point this out, I think it's really important. We don't want to create a false spike in adverse reactions, adverse consequences after this law passes because of a placebo effect. So I just I I understand it's a little, you know, maybe a little bit kind of nuanced thinking, but this is truly the right call. And, and the science supports this and, the, the idea of of, uh, of having a grandfathering clause for kids who are already on this pathway, it is the right thing to do. And I would argue with anyone who would say otherwise. Yeah, look, and I think that's good information, you know, and, and it always troubles me, right? I mean, I know we see this from both sides from time to time, but, you know, you go through all the work to put an amendment on that and the, you know, the author of the amendment uh, in this case was uh, Senator Menendez, a Democrat, and then they vote against the bill. You know, I mean, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, I think that's good information, you know, yeah. and look, you're just trying to do the right thing when you're the mm -hmm. member, when you're carrying the bill. And so but I think that helps people because there were I do, you know, maybe there are some questions and that gives people some information. And this stays on our Facebook page. There'll be an audio of it. So people want to come back and listen to it, direct people to it. They'll, it'll still be there for people. It's not going to disappear after we're off here. But uh, Chairman, Representative, uh, and Doctor, so many titles for you. Uh, Dr. Oliverson has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. He's got great work that he's got to continue to do. He's got to go back into the committee. I'm going to be in the Capitol later today. But, sir, thank all you right. for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you, Jonathan. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you for all you do. Well, great for him to uh, sneak in for a little bit, if you will, and have some time with us. I saw him in the halls earlier this week. Timely information we try to bring to you all a lot of times. And we're not always in a position to do that. It's tough sometimes to schedule guests when they're in the middle of something very important. There's been breaking news or it's been in the past week or so. They're a lot of times in high demand, but even more so during the legislative session. This is the core, a big core of what we do. So we want to bring that information to you. And so I was glad to, to work that in. That's why we're doing this a little bit earlier on Facebook than usual. And so I appreciate your grace on that. But if you're watching this on Facebook, share it, like it, get it in some groups, uh, tell people about it later, they can come back to it, it'll still be on our Facebook page. Uh, we want to continue to grow this. I mean, look, we're almost five years, I believe, into the Texas Values Report, probably one of the longest running podcasts and faith and family shows that's on a weekly basis. But we rely on you to get this information to more people so we can reach more people. And it's so critical during the legislative session. By the way, if you're in the East Texas part of the state, um, Longview, Tyler, 
um, I think uh, just a little bit north of like Nacogdoches in that area. We're having an event just for you online at noon tomorrow uh, through Zoom that you can sign up for and, and get an email for. And it's a new member of our team, Rhonda Anderson, who's doing grassroots work. She's going to team up with our uh, policy director, Jonathan Covey, and give you some legislative advocacy tips and updates just for your area. Now, we're going to work on trying to do this in other parts of the state as well, but we're starting with that East Texas area because that's the area where Rhonda lives. She's going to um, get us connect with other parts of the state too. Maybe you want to help us put something regionally together. We can do something in person, and we can definitely do something online where people from that area know this is just for them. So this is like Senate District 1, Senator Brian Hughes, several House mem members around that area. Um, and so, but check your email. You should have gotten an email from us. If you haven't already, be on the lookout for it. That's going to be at noon on Friday, which is tomorrow after, um, from where the broadcast, if you're hearing this on, on Saturday on the radio, you've missed it. Check for next week, the next couple of weeks, we're going to have that. But anywhere you are in the state of Texas, if you go to our YouTube page, there's a statewide Texas Legislative Advocacy 101 and 102, which tells you a little bit about how the legislative process works, a little bit about how you can apply these things to things going on at the city council and school board level, but some key elements that we have about some of the key pieces of legislation we're working on, the fact that we have a new booklet called the Texas Legislative Guide. Do you have our app? We've got an app, okay? And you might want to download it soon before we get banned by Apple. And I'm not trying to you know, bait them into something. I'd like to keep the app up, but we know how that industry has been from time to time. People feel like they're, they're getting banned from platforms and stuff like that. But I think we're the only statewide group that, you know, that works on public policy issue that has its own app. You know, I'm just saying that because I'm excited about it. I'm trying to act like we're better than everybody. I'm just saying this is kind of a unique feature. Please make use of it. Okay. Download the Texas Values app. Go to the App Store on Apple. It's real simple. Texas Values. It's the name of our organization. Two words. It'll come up, should come up as one of the first uh, Android users, whatever that means. I don't know. I'm a, I have an uh, iPhone. Go to whatever App Store, Google Play or, or the App Store for Apple and check out and download our Texas Values app. We've got a list of bills on there that we're working on. We've got a prayer wall. We've got information about some of our events. Speaking of our events, May 5th in Fort Worth, Riley Gaines. This woman is all over the place and on fire for the Save Women's Sports issue. She continues to get a ton of attention. I think Senator Joni Ernst interviewed her the other day. She was on Fox. She was pushing back against ESPN. This is the young lady who was one of the top swimmers ever at the University of Kentucky, was invited to uh, the, uh, the Olympic trials. She's won several NCAA championships. She was an All-American swimmer at the University of Kentucky. And then she had to compete and race against Will slash Leah Thomas. This is the man who raced on the men's team, the boys team from right here in Texas. He was at Westlake High School here in the Central Texas area and then went to the University of Pennsylvania, still was on the men's team, and then switched to the women's team. She had to race against him. They tied, okay? That's how good she is. Even though he won some races um, as a man, she'll, you know, I, you know, still good, not good enough to beat Riley Gaines, but, I mean, seriously, they shouldn't have tied. He shouldn't have been competing in this division at all. But the real thing that happened here that was troubling, to say the least, was they gave this guy the trophy and told Riley, we'll send yours in the mail because we need to have him on the podium for the photo op. You cannot make this stuff up, okay? She's going to be at our event in Fort Worth, May 5th. 
So she's got that Texas connection because of this guy that used to swim here in Texas, now swimming on the women's team. You got to hear more to the story, though. I haven't told you everything. You got to hear her in person, and you're, you'll be inspired. Bring your young daughter, okay? If you have an, an athlete or an aspiring athlete, bring her to this event. Let her meet Riley. Um, and, and you don't have to be a girl athlete, guys athletes. Like, I'm inspired just, to, you know, even at my age to see a young person like her. She's 22 years old. And uh, she, her collegiate career is over, uh, and now she's going around trying to help other athletes, and she's making a huge difference. Has certainly been a bar, big part of our success on the Save Women Sports issue. That is May 5th in Fort Worth. That's a benefit dinner we're having. This event will sell out. You better get your tickets now. Okay, we're about five weeks away. That is May 5th in the Fort Worth area. It will be worth your while to come out with us that evening. And I'm just going to tell you, we're probably going to have some other special guests there, but you got to wait for those announcements. So you better get your tickets now. Also, June 9th, we're having an event in San Antonio. Uh, that's at Cornerstone Church. That's the evening of June 9th. We haven't announced our, our key speakers yet, but we will soon. So take a look at that and come to the Capitol. Our office is, a, is across the street from the Texas Capitol. Um, we're there every day. We've got these new legislative booklets. They're on our app, but you can also get them um, a paper copy. They're about 80 pages long. You can go into the Capitol and, and really get around. We're working on developing it, the legislative guide, into an interactive part of our app. So stay tuned for that. But coming up in September... All right, mark your calendars now, September 15th and 16th. We're going to have our Faith, Family, and Freedom Policy Forum. I believe this will be the fifth, if not sixth year that we're doing it. I'm losing track of them. They're adding up, okay. But um, so we want to get that date out there early for you. That's a Friday and a Saturday, a Friday in the evening and afternoon, and then a good chunk of the day on Saturday. You can get your tickets now, September 15th and 16th, the Texas Values Public Policy Forum. Probably, I mean, this is one of the biggest events on that issue um, in the state. All right. Kevin Roberts from Heritage Foundation was there last year. So was Senator Ted Cruz. Riley Gaines was there. Abby Johnson's been there before. Musical guests like Danny Gokey and Matthew West have been a part of it in a, uh, a whole host of groups. Their lieutenant governor, the governor was there a couple of years ago. So we'll have some, we'll have a packed house and a packed program September 15th and 16th. But everything really is focusing on the legislative session. Okay. The legislative session ends at the end of May excuse me, there could be a special session. You want to stay in touch with our work on our app and on our action page, txvaluesaction.org, so you can find out what the bills are, where they're going, how they're moving, and know when to respond so we can get some attention and continue the momentum. So yesterday, the Save Women's Sports Bill passed the Senate, that Senate Bill 15, and got its final vote. There are two votes that they do in the Senate. The first one's really the one that counts. It gives you an idea if the bill's going to pass. And the second vote, really the third third reading, as it's called, is usually a formality most of the time. But so third reading passed yesterday. And also the second reading for Senate Bill 14, the bill that protects kids against harmful gender transitions, that also passed by Senator Donna Campbell. Senator Mays Middleton is carrying Senate Bill 15. That's the Save Women Sports Bill. As a matter of fact, you want more information on that issue? We have a separate website, okay? It's getting so much attention. We have sort of what's called a microsite, savewomensportstexas.com. There's several S's in there, okay? Save women's with an S, sports texas.com so check that out you can find out information and great testimonials okay we've put together some videos to, that you can um check out about riley Gaines, her history some adorable pictures okay when she was a young little girl that's how i mean you know how it is with these athletes i mean they started a very young age getting involved and really working on and developing their talent and their commitment but not just her 
athletes from the state of Texas. We have a basketball player from the state of Texas who's on there. Other athletes, rest, uh, excuse me, uh, powerlifting um, com competitors, female competitors from the state of Texas. SaveWomenSportsTexas.com. That's the website to get all that information on that issue. We've also had some pro-life victories. Senate Bill four, uh, 24 has passed the Senate by Senator Colcourse. That puts into statute the Alternatives to Abortion Program. That is an over $100 million program that protects and supports pregnancy care centers all over the state of Texas, moms and babies. Our good friend Abby Johnson says $200 can be the difference in whether a woman has an abortion. And abortions, no, the babies are protected from abortion in Texas now completely, but that doesn't mean these women won't be lured to other states to have an abortion. We know Planned Parenthood's trying to do that in New Mexico. So we want to continue to work on those pro-life issues. Also a great hearing on holding DAs accountable that don't enforce laws like the heartbeat law, like the Human Protect Life Protection Act, and many other pro-life laws we've worked so hard in passing. So continue to communicate with your legislators on these issues. We need to keep that momentum coming. Plan some time to come up here. I know we had our Faith and Family Day a couple of weeks ago. That's not the only time you can come up here. You can plan a group. We'll work with you. We'll have some people that'll be uh, there to accompany you at the Capitol and anything we can do to help. And so listen, you see value in the work we do. Please consider a tax-deductible donation. It's very difficult for us to spend a lot of time fundraising, if you will, during this time of year, because so much of our work is focused on what's happening at the state capitol. But we're going to try to do it. You can help us. The, the funds that you give us are directly going to go to work we're involved in on the ground, right? You might, you might want to give to the action one, txvaluesaction.org. That goes, that we can go even further with that money on some of our uh, legislative advocacy work, but txvalues.org, your donations are tax deductible. Our budget's a little over $2 million, um, collectively. We're getting to the end of our fiscal cycle at the end of June. It really counts now. We really need you to try to dig a little bit deeper and tell your friends about us. Say, hey, I support them. You should too. Invite them to some of our events and, um, and continue to get the message out. We can't do this work alone. We are growing, but we need to continue to grow. We need to replenish some of the funds that we've already gone through with an incredibly busy month. March is about to end. Give a little bit more. Make that donation before the end of this month. Your check comes in, whatever you need to do. Please think about that. And that's how together we'll protect faith, family, and freedom in Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.